the the life um, that you live, and then there's your unlived life, and the resistance sits in the middle. And resistance is is it could be physical, as in your situation, um, yep. as in people just just you know not encouraging you to to chase a dream, yeah, um, to trying to keep you in their environment, or it could be yourself, you know, the fear, yeah. Um, and he's he's made a good point that that the pain of not doing it is worse than any fear of, of failure. Yeah. So I I got to the point where I, I said, I, I it's not I'm not afraid of of failing. I'm I'm afraid of my failure to try. Hi everybody, welcome to the podcast. This is Humans with Luke McCredden. I'm Luke McCredden. The voice you're hearing off the top there is that of Matt Peak. Matt is a film writer, a comic writer, he's a parent, he's a super creative dude, he's a very, very nice guy and I loved having a chat with him on the podcast. We chat about all things to do with the writing processes, the creative mindset that he takes on when he takes on these projects and uh, very interesting. Love his train of thought and I love his mindset when it comes to having a crack, so Anyway, I hope you enjoy this chat. This is episode two with Matt Peake. But I got we're in this routine now, which is really cool, where um, it's usually with the boys, throw them in the bath. Mm. And while they're in there, mm. I go and grab it and just start playing. And they love it. They're just awesome. Like, yeah. It's the all, the, I the love acoustic it. version. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, which is what I... I guess you couldn't have the electric near the bar. No. <laughs> but I, I, I mainly... Um, Oh, I played it. I played everything, but I always my heart was with the acoustic stuff. I love it, and I still do. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so it was really, it's really fun. I just did it one night, and the and the boys and all the kids love music. Mm. Um, the boys in particular, really, they've got this Ari, who's four, has got this fascination with music that is even before my time, but I love too. Like his favorite band is Credence, and like go figure, like this wow. four year old, and he will now. Uh, and and it was probably because we I listened to it a bit or whatever, but he's like adamant to put that song back on, put that on, put put you know, and he'll now he he'll jump on my phone onto Spotify and he's got his own little playlist. When he finds a song he loves, he, he wants to put that in there. And there's a real pattern. There's like yeah, Eagles, Credence, mm-hmm. and then some of the um, and again, I think it's got something to do with the the overall vibe of it, but there's a lot of Jack Johnson and that sort of stuff too. He really yeah. likes that. I, Dexter, my son, uh, when he was like two or three, he, there's only one song that he liked and it was um, uh, the Bruno Mars one. Um, oh, forget the name of it. It's the one with um, Mark Ronson. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uptown Fun. Uptown Fun, yeah. yeah, yeah. But now... Like that's all he he would listen to that on repeat and watch really? YouTube on Still? repeat. No, but now he's more into. I think boys like guitars. Yeah, yeah. Like once, like he likes Wolf Mother, ACDC. Cool. And when that guitar gets cranking, he just gets pumped up. Really. So it could be a similar thing. Yeah, Credence, maybe. Yeah. Eagles. It's really clear, heavy guitars. Yeah. yeah. And when and when yeah, you're right because when those you know, the, and back then the the riffs I, I love you know I love all that and they were so prominent as you say. You can see it in his face, like Ari. Um, there was one the other night that came on, and you'd never heard of it. You straight too. away, Dexter loves you like, too. Just looked, and he's like, "Yeah, 
Yeah. And nod his head. And he's, uh, yeah. Like where the streets have no name, when that oh, yeah. comes on, yeah, yeah. he just goes crazy <laughs> for it. It's cool, eh? <laughs> yeah. It's so good. And I don't know whether it's got anything to do with, um, uh, and I'm sure it's somehow linked, but like I grew up with that. Like I grew up mm. with Bob Dylan. And, and, and when I say that, that wasn't my era, but dad was always playing it and the Beatles, Eagles, Bob Dylan, all that. And I still love it. So I'm I'm really happy that Ari's into that, and I think I don't know like for music for me has always been really special and important. So I love that he's into that, and I hope that that sticks with him forever. Well, I was talking to um, Anna last night, and there's actually no big band in the world because I was watching a U2 clip from Live Aid mm. for whatever whatever reason last night. And just the, the girls throwing themselves at Bono. Mm. And I remember how there used to be advertising for concerts for big bands. Like, yeah. you know, you'd, you'd always say, oh, they're the biggest band in the world. Yeah. There's no big band is that in now? the world anymore. That's a like, good point. And, and it's, I reckon it's, obviously now it's more, it's electronic. It's a yeah. lot of hip-hop, R&B or pop. But that when the Stones, the Beatles, U2. Yeah. Queen. Um, Queen. Yeah. Oasis, um, Radiohead, even REM, like mm. like bands like that, the Eagles. You just their music was that far, and still at Springsteen in the East. Yeah, was is still that far ahead of anything else now. Yeah, you're right. And I reckon it's got to be. We'll look back at them like we look at Mozart and Beethoven. Yeah, like and because there's only a handful of those massive power bands. Yeah, that they just don't exist anymore. No. And I, I miss those days, man, when there was like, you know, oh. 70,000 people at yeah. the MCG. Even the likes of Metallica, who yeah. are obviously still doing Guns it, still Roses, doing their yeah. thing. Guns, But in their prime, and, you know, they're still going great, but in their prime, were that was mega. Like, nothing could reach no. that height. No. And no. you're right. I, you know, without spending much time thinking, there's not. There's not. There's, there's probably... There's probably artists like, you know, Beyonce or something like that. Oh, yeah, that. yeah, they're still artists. But yeah. I wonder whether that, um, the power that, say, the Beatles, um, look, maybe they're in a different conversation, but the power that, like, even like Bon Jovi and all that, you know, that they had when they walked on stage where people just yeah. lost their fucking minds, like, yeah. went nuts. I wonder whether, I, I don't think that exists. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, there's artists that, that are huge, mm. but... The, the music that those in those in particular those bands brought was just a, a, a yeah. total experience yeah and, and yeah there's, sure there's there's huge artists that that cater to you know younger generations yeah and, and I'm certainly I'm 37 so uh, I, I I try to keep in touch with that but one thing I've noticed is that um, just that really you know so you two would write you know it's quite political quite heartfelt mm. comes from a really raw place yeah and the stones even were too and then the beatles went through a phase and springsteen was mostly saying about his you know working class life yeah there's no there's no one sort of really capturing even what midnight all used to sing about, yeah there's no one really going for it in you know sort of wonder, rock sense and yeah. connecting i reckon there's there's a market for it if or is it or is it not being allowed like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm yeah, sure there's yeah. people out there doing that. Like, yeah. even to the point of um, Rage Against the Machine, yeah. another one. Mm. But I wonder if there are, but it's not selling. Or or, mm. or it's the impression is it won't sell anymore. Is it anymore. too heavy? <laughs> is it too much? <laughs> yeah. Because it's everywhere, right? So the yeah. other thing to that that I was thinking was maybe, you know, the 
likes of the bands coming through the 60s and 70s were, were, were untouchable. The, the only time you ever saw them was either at a, a live show or yeah. waiting for them to get off a plane or something. But even the likes of Beyonce or something like that, they're a lot more accessible now. You can find them on YouTube or on a podcast or on a – do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So maybe the whole idea of the celebrity status has changed. Like celebrity now is – I mean, the celebrity label slapped on every, everyone these days. Yeah. But back then, like I always – when I saw the Eagles for the first time in concert, which was, you know, uh, early 2000s, I think, mm. it was like – I felt like so it was it was a we I've never felt like that before. I was seeing these guys who were legitimate legends yeah. of rock and roll, of music in general, and legitimate celebrity that you couldn't touch. Like you, you just they weren't real it was like they weren't real. Yeah. Well back when they were when they came out, would 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 they have been considered like pop? Or like I don't mean yeah. poppers in, but they would have been mainstream. Like they would have been played yeah. on the radio. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, yeah, oh, they would have for sure, for sure. But you're right. Yeah, it's a it's a different thing. Oh, and that's going back. I think why I'm really, I find it really important and and really cool that my son and and you were saying with your yeah. son are in touch with that. Oh, that's great. And oh, and don't get absolutely. me wrong, you know. There's the Taylor Swifts of the world are great for the for the kids. I'm as a well. huge Post Malone fan. Yeah, like yeah. I'm always down for a banger. Yeah, like but it's I just I just hope the raw and the and the authentic the organic sort of music of that time doesn't get lost. I don't think it will. There'll yeah, always be I, people I think it will. playing yeah. it and talking about it, but I just you know the the importance of it. I reckon well. it'll come in waves, and it'll it'll take a a monumental world event to mm. then rebirth. Bands that sort of sing, you know, for a generation, yeah. and not not to a generation. Yeah, I think, and it's and it's also that you know you could talk for ages about it, and the because it wasn't even like you know you hear some people go, well, you know, they were it was easier to be new in in those eras, but I'm not sure that if one of those bands, those big time bands, came out now, they'd still be new. Like it's still doing stuff that no one's done or no one's doing again. Like yeah. what's all that film yesterday? Have um, you seen that? I I haven't. Um but I actually years ago and this I'm hand on heart, I had a similar idea really? for a movie. <laughs> because I love the concept. But it was we about saw it the, the Rolling night. Stones. Yeah, right. Like yeah. it was just a guy that wakes up and the stones don't exist from an accident. Oh, shit. Yeah, legitimately I I'd, I'd wow. written it down. <laughs> So the Man. same idea, yeah. Um, and it is that you know, what if you woke up in a world where yeah. Michael Jackson didn't exist, yeah. or or the Beatles, yeah. Um, and then you wrote those songs; they'd still kill. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we we saw that the other night, Ricky and I. Oh, you it saw was, it? Yeah. yeah. Is Amazing. it good? I loved it, man. Yeah, I yeah. loved it. You yeah. know, we're not talking, you know, a uh, Schindler's List or a uh, you know, <laughs> but yeah, not yeah. it won't go down as one of the all time greats. But it was one of those movies that I just loved, and I'll watch again happily. And uh, I'm yeah. not a movie. It's buff. a feel good film. It is. Yeah, we we looked around at the end, um, not on purpose, but you sort of stand up and look. At, everyone had a smile on their face. Yeah, it was awesome. just that sort of film. But the concept is what got me when I first saw the the trailer. I'm mm. like, this is a cool idea. There's oh something yeah, out there like it's 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 such an obvious idea. And then in the car on the way home, you're like. What if that has happened? What if Ed Sheeran's songs aren't his? <laughs> you know, you start yeah. talking about that shit. Well, there's another film coming up called um, Blinded by the Light. Oh, yeah? Which uh, is about this, I think he's a Sri Lankan or Indian kid that discovers Bruce Springsteen. Yes. And it I've just changes his life. Yeah, yeah, now, yeah. That, that, like Springsteen's my all-time favourite. I think that's based on a true favorite. story. I yeah. think I saw. Oh, I'm 
Maybe. Mu- but, man, I can't wait for it though. This is the thing with music and it's not for everyone or it doesn't do it to everyone, but it plays major parts in people's lives. Music's played a huge part in my life. And, oh, yeah, and likewise. continues to, and I hope it continues to. I hope it does forever. Yeah. But, you know, not for everyone. But, yeah, like, and, and so I've got no doubt, and you hear stories of music saving people's lives, you know. Oh, absolutely. You know, t- those really times, tough times, times of darkness, and you just pick up something and you start listening and you just, I don't know, it gives you an escape. Music's always been a bit of an escape for me as well as just enjoying it for what it is. Oh, yeah, and, um, it, you know, if you look at how young kids – you know, babies, as soon as they hear that tune, uh, you know, they start moving. So, you, yeah. you know, it's connected through the stars and space. That's what string theory is based on. Yeah. It's like, you know, that was because of its analogy for musical instruments, instrumentation. Yeah. So it's certainly something that that connects us all in, oh. in, a, in a wanky way. But, no. but um, yeah, I've found in my, even in my early 20s when you're sort of finding yourself mm. as a young man when when you and that's where Springsteen came in because it's like you know you you you're in love and and you're trying to make your way in the world and here's this guy who was 20 when he was writing those songs yeah like unbelievable yeah just connecting with you yeah and and really being inspiring about you know chasing your dream and just going for it yeah. um yeah it's it's and 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 I hope that you know our kids there's there's artists that influence them in positive ways yep. and life ways rather than just that sort of sexual yeah boppy which I is and then there's a market for there, it but yeah. there's no, there's you know there's there's got to be a bit more meaning in some yep. of the music hopefully in the future yeah no totally i totally agree and it, un- well not unfortunately but it's the way it is is that the sex pop is what sells at the moment so that's what's happening and that's what's out there but that's fine that's it's that's where it's at, and I'm sure, like you said, there'll be a wave of something. I'd love to see another wave of like guitar bands. Oh, I'd love that, and w- I, there's huge. no reason why it can't. It just takes a genius. Yeah, it, it just takes a musical genius yeah. who can combine the the u- like the unique with the familiar. Yeah, and then bring it together. Well, and, and it's one of the reasons I absolutely love Ed Sheeran. Yeah, I think because he's just came from he he just came he's just a, he's just a kid with his guitar. Yeah, yeah, and that's it. Basically, and he's but like, don't, not that's it. He's a brilliant songwriter, he's yeah. a brilliant guitar player, good singer, but he doesn't really have sex appeal. I wouldn't have thought. No, and he sings about meaningful stuff, yeah. which probably and he's, real. He and he's real. probably up there as the number one. Totally around. Probably. So there you go. There's yeah. still a need for it if you've got the competency. Absolutely. So yeah, good. Thanks for coming in. Anyway. Yeah. No worries. Um, <laughs> I appreciate you coming down. Yeah. No, it's good to be here. Thanks. Uh, it's an honor to to be on the show. Oh. Um, but I, I love what you're doing at the moment. Speaking of all things, you know, breaking away. You're, uh, yeah. I, I was going to say you're unemployed, <laughs> but you're not because you 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 run your own show now. But you've stepped away. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, I guess there's there was a little bit of money that came through from from a project that I was working on, which which is a film. But it's not. It was, it was hardly any money. But I, I guess some people have called it fun employed. Some, yeah. <laughs> nice. Some people have called it a, a sabbatical. Um, uh, but, the, you know, I started uh, my own – I got my own ABN and, and, and started a company called Panther and Associates. Yep. Um, so, you know, I've got the company. Yeah. Uh, but, it, yeah, it's um, – so I, I resigned from my job in March. So it's been almost four months now yeah. uh, writing. So, uh, I mean, I can go back to – 
you know, some of the how I got there if you wanted me to. Um well, into the in how I why I left where I was. Yeah. Um I could talk about that. Yeah, um, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I think I think just before you do, I think um understanding too, just for the listeners, you the job you were in, just really briefly, you were there for a fair stint. Well, I was in advertising for for yeah. fourteen years. And what yeah. I, what I'd love to hear from you, I suppose, mm. as we as we chat, is the fact that because it's it's almost a little bit um, daunting for people to think of stepping away from a a, a career, a steady yeah. career, yeah. To, to to just tackle your own thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It it has been daunting, and it's it it comes in waves. Like you, you know, you you you're doing something. I was doing something that was very made me very feel uncomfortable, but it was really really you know exciting yep. at the same time. So. You know, I, I um, uh, when I graduated high school, I, I went to uni and did media and marketing, and and I found uh, screenwriting as yep. a, as a couple of electives, and I just fell in love with it in my um, sort of early twenties. Why? Well, I'd always been a massive movie buff, okay, um, huge movie buff, but to see, I guess, the the beginning of a film yep. and like the, the its inception, the embryonic stage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in a screenplay and see how that then translates it i could you know that i just found that really really exciting and as soon as i started to read the screenplays of of the films that i loved and and then started to write i i just it was just like meditation for me i just i I just loved it so i got after it in my 20s pretty hard so i just started writing and then ponied up my own money to 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 make a, a short film with with a mate of mine who I knew in high school because there was a a, a a film festival called Tropfest that mm. that was a lot bigger in, in back then than what it is now it was huge back then yeah and I went along to it in in 2003 when I just sort of started writing and and you know there's 150,000 people in Sydney and I think another 20,000 at the my music bowl watching and they, they were seven-minute films, and I said, oh, "I reckon I could do this." And in in '05, I, you know, made the film, and it made the top sixteen of. That's of incredible. But going back to that mindset, though, th- watching something and thinking oh, I could do—that's one thing. But mm. Then having a crack and actually doing it's another thing. You you obviously you were a movie buff, as you say, but you obviously backed your cr- creative mindset. Yeah, I I, I, d- I did for whatever reason, but but that was probably what. Uh, helped me, but it also ended up um, probably inhibiting me as as I went on, right? Because you have that sort of gut instinct and and passion, and I put up my own money, so a short film, and yeah. we actually shot it on film, and and it, and it did really well. So what did you say, six sixteen? It was shot on sixteen mil, so shot on film. So yeah. that, that was in 05. So yeah. everything shot on digital. So it's really expensive to shoot on film, but yeah. it 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 feels a lot more authentic and right. And um, you know, I love I love that sort of look in film. Uh, but anyway, that that sort of did really well, and in you know, got on Qantas and and yeah. you know, played in front of Heath Ledger so what is and it? Jeffrey what was Rush. It? it was a, it was a. It was funny though, like when we made it, we it was a post nine eleven comedy, right? Um, and we thought we were we'd missed the boat with like terrorism yeah. and like the post nine eleven thing, and it was about this paranoid father who lived in a post nine eleven world, and he'd sort of he trained his family in, you know, um, counter terrorism and right. and uh, preparing for the end of the world. It was called Too Far. And it, it, it played really well in front of um, 
you know, all those people. And and then there was interest to turn it into a series. So uh, we got some funding to develop through Film Victoria into a series. And then we got money to make a pilot for it. So from 05 to 08, um, we, we were shooting a half-hour comedy pilot with, with Pete Rosethorn from Kath and Kim. Awesome. Um, and in, in between then, we made another Tropfest film that made the top 16. So it, I went from having a, a dream and it quickly happening mm. um, and then soon realising that I, you know, I wasn't quite ready because once you, we made that pilot uh, of Too Far the Comedy, and comedy's really hard. Yeah. But... You know, I, I, it, success doesn't come that quickly. I mean, yeah. we worked hard and I, yeah. I worked hard and, and put in my lo- a lot of my own time and money. But for whatever reason, it, it wasn't it wasn't quite up to, you know, when you go from short form to long form, that's yeah. the hardest jump. So so where did it go? Like you filmed the pilot. Where did that, did that go to a network or a... Well, yeah, so Film Victoria had a, a pilot program and, and they gave us, you know... Um, some money to to make it, yeah. And then you, our producer at the time, we we tried to to shop it round, and it was almost got sort of picked up by Channel Nine, but but it didn't. And then after that, I really sort of fell fell pretty flat because he, I thought I was this sort of mid twenties Tarantino. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, how easy is this? I'm going straight to Hollywood. Yeah. And then bang, that you know that doesn't happen. Yeah. So so then from there. Um, Really, what happened? Life, life happened, and um, so from oh nine to two thousand and nineteen, you know, I got married, um, uh, had two kids, um, and my my first, uh, my daughter Billy, she was born with fully dislocated hips, and she didn't walk till well after two, and so we went through that, and and then I got divorced, so went through that, um, and and you know, last year, father passes away. So over the, the space of 10 years, it was sort of, I was a, a kid just flying and then life happened and, yeah. and you know, all these life started to, to challenge me a bit more. Um, so, but in that whole time, I was, I was working in advertising and I yeah. got into advertising, funnily enough, through the short film because right. I made the short film. I didn't really like my job and I wanted to be in a creative um, space. So I got the job in in advertising um, at a small agency and, but I was made an account manager. So I wasn't like a film director or anything. I was just So like, you weren't really using creative. <laughs> no. Right. So the and reason then, you got there was just thrown out the window. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> and then 14 years later, <laughs> um, as an, an account manager, account director, so forth and so on mm. in, in a creative environment, yeah. but more as a, as, as I guess, account service, client service person. Yeah. And I ended up being like quite good at it because I, I love people yeah. and I actually like to serve people and make them feel good. Yeah. So, so I ended up working hard and, and, and doing okay with it. But, you know, uh, after th- those events of, of last year, you know, losing, losing dad, um, I, I really had a massive reset and, and the, the dream that I'd sort of – it's not that I'd put it on hold because I was still writing mm. during that whole period, but I was never uh, dedicating enough time yep. to actually cultivate anything worthwhile. I and, mean, And yeah. did you feel like you knew you were 
doing that still, but weren't doing it really the justice you, you could have and should have. Yeah, I, I think deep down, yeah. subconsciously, that really was eating away at me because um, I had my, my writing partner at the time, Cam Ford, who's who's just gone on and made a doco that's um, had a worldwide release through cinemas and stuff, and it's it's great. But he he went to LA because um, we got a manager in LA while. Yep while Billy was born. So he was there for a year getting after it while <laughs> I was stuck at home. Yeah. And and in LA, we almost got a couple of things wow. up. And, you know, it's one of those almost but not quite as yep, millions yep. of those stories. Sure, But, yeah, that feeling of um, never doing it properly or giving it a red-hot go yeah. is something that, that ate away at me for, for quite a while. Um, and that, you know, that regret started to seep in. Because yeah. there was a few different moments where I could have done things that that I I didn't because I thought about honor and honor of a family, honor yeah. of being a father. So you don't really think about yourself, but mm. I think that's that can be a real risk for your mental health. Absolutely, if you don't do that. Yep. And I think sometimes, and maybe it's changing now, where when you have a family, you you're sort of almost passively told that in in certain environments that you you know you can't pursue what what you really really want because yep. you might be financially tied to a bank with your yep. mortgage or time with your family and and your and your partner um but you figure that out for yourself mm. um but in that whole time in advertising let's say I was at a, a, an agency for 3 years before I I actually left the industry altogether and before then, I was always had my hands in different pies. Yeah. And it was never going all in. Yep. And I got to this this company after the divorce, and I went through a rough trot through the divorce. Um, and I just decided to go all in as an account director at this agency, and it was like I'd never been better as 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 a as a worker, um, as a colleague. Um, you know, I met my partner now there um and was earning great money and and had more success in those three years than i did in the mm. 10 years before so the lesson that i learned from that is if if you give a hundred percent effort into your goal um even doing something that i didn't want to do mm. well that was the pivot after because dad uh he, he worked at the afl for 30 mm. years yeah. and he did what he loved for such a long, long time, and at thirty-seven, when you, when you, when you go through that, I was just like, "Well, I've just got to, I've got to do it now." So, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I resigned after Christmas. I had some because it was October. Then Christmas, I, I had did a lot of soul searching, and I kind of bottomed out. I was like, I was looking at myself and in, in the mirror, and I wasn't real. I was talking to Anna, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, my partner, and. And I just said, I've fucked myself. I've I'm I've trapped myself I, in in my life. Like I cannot pursue this at all. Like I'm just going to have to give this away. And she sort of got me up off the canvas and right and said, No, you you are doing it. You're writing. You just need to do more time. So let's work out a plan. It's an interesting ro- ride. Like so, you you left with a plan, but then somewhere along the line, just went, Nah, can't, and just bottomed out. But that, no, but no, that, that was before. So in, it, I, I left in March, but des, the December yeah. before the March was. Oh, it was, okay. Sorry. Yeah, so yeah, before yeah, yeah. I resigned, right? I, I, I did a lot of soul searching yeah, over the gotcha. Christmas break. Yep. And I had, I didn't know I was going to do this. Right. But I, I was like, I 
totally just felt lost and, yeah. and felt my soul. I couldn't do another year of it yeah. being an account director, which is kind of like, you know, it's a real brown noser. Like you've got to keep everyone happy, right? <laughs> and that, t- and without keeping yourself happy. That uses a lot of energy. Oh, man. Emotional energy. And you've got to make budget each month. Yeah. And so you, you at 37, you don't have as much energy. So I'd come yeah. home and I just couldn't write. And yeah. um, so, I, you know, I yeah, went through that and, and, you know, we worked out an exit plan. Yeah. Um, and I think the, the, the biggest motivation was that there was a book called the war of art that by this guy called Stephen Pressfield, which, which talks about writers and, and even other people that don't chase what their passion is. Yeah. And this thing called resistance that there's, there's the, the life, um, that you live and then there's your unlived life and the resistance sits in the middle and resistance is is it could be physical, as in your situation, um, yep. as in people just just you know not encouraging you to to chase a dream, yeah, um, to trying to keep you in their environment, or it could be yourself, you know, the fear, yeah. Um, and he's he's made a good point that that the pain of not doing it is worse than any fear of of failure. Yeah. So I I got to the point where I, I said, I, I it's not I'm not afraid of of failing. I'm, I'm afraid of my failure to try. Like, yeah. if if I fail to 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 not try, if I don't try, that's the worst. Yeah, and and that's what this was about. Yeah. So, um, that's how I got here. Losing your dad ha- helped that mindset come oh, on. Absolutely, absolutely. Because yeah, was he a, uh, always encouraging you on the writing side of things as opposed to your your day job at the time? Oh yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, you know, he, he was in, you know, mum and dad, but they were just so encouraging. As soon as I, in my early twenties, said I want to be a screenwriter, they just said, "Go for it, yeah, get after awesome. it." Yeah. And I, you know, I, I shot too far at their house and dug a massive hole in their backyard, <laughs> and you know, they did the catering and all that, and yeah. and then I shared that with them yeah. for a long time. Um, and and that and he knew deep down that that's what I wanted. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a challenging thing to pursue yep. but it was more when you when you go through that and I went through it in quite an intimate way you know I was there when he passed and and you see life differently because you see how how fickle it is mm. and how insecure it is yep so you know I've been I was on a merry-go-round which a lot of people are and that's mm. there's, that's that's fair enough and I'm not a martyr saying everyone should just quit their job you if you want to you need an exit strategy that's yep. that's logical yeah but you know I got on that merry-go-round of of life and I didn't I didn't much like it and that was mortgage bills insurance um you know all those things of a nice um suburban life mm. and they <laughs> they add up where you you find yourself maintaining all of those things outwardly, but you, you you're not really listening to what your soul's saying. Um, so I'm, I'm in a process of really shedding a lot of that shit away. Yeah. Um, and day to day, it's been great because you know we've worked out ways to save money, um, and you know little things like shopping at Aldi and and but even me not being in traffic now. Yep. Is just the best thing. Yeah. Um, working from home. Um, but yeah, I mean, back, back to, 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 to that point, it was. Because I think the, I think with that, like the, and you, you've already mentioned it, but it's not so much 
when people have a, a goal or an idea of, of what would be they'd love to do, what they'd genuinely love to do, not what mm. they're doing Monday to Friday. Yeah. It's some to and I reckon it's most of the time not I wonder if I could. Like they'd most of the time they'd nail it. It's yeah. Just jumping and doing it. Yeah. Because that's frightening. Mm. You know, and, and you've just done it, so you know. But it's 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 hard to because it's the norm too, I think, is part of it. Breaking the norm these days is really um, a difficult thing to comprehend, I think. Yeah. In a world of, you know, the cost of living's higher than it's ever been. Yep. And wages um, don't go up yep. incrementally to match that. So the pressure just mounts to the point where you, I think it's easier in a lot of ways to go, I might just have to reside to the fact that I won't probably do that. So hats off to you. And I, and I love the concept of you doing it. And I, I'd love... To, I'd love to think that people are able to. Yeah, if you can work out a way to do it, and it take you know to have a great partner uh, yep. helps. I mean, she um, is great with with my kids, plus su- supporting that decision and yep. having someone that believes in me. Um, you know, was was is has been really really special. Mm. Um, now I'm not saying you need that to 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 get after your your dream, but when you're in a situation that I was, um, it's certainly it's certainly helped. I think it's hugely important. Yeah, I think it's probably underrated, mm. and I know it's not a that's a bit of a throwaway comment, but it is something that's as vital as any part of that, you know, puzzle. That that support that network that support network in in all forms, like you know, um, we we've been through it recently with um you know, parenting, mm. you know, the support network um, just to go about the parenting, which is a, a major part of life, obviously. That sounds ridiculous. But yeah. if, if you're not supporting each other, it makes it very difficult. Um, we're in a situation where it, it's we, – we often – my wife and I often say to each other, I, we, we can't – we couldn't do it without each other's support. We constantly need each other, which – is is awesome to know that we've got each other and, and it's the same with you and Anna for sure. Like whether yeah. it's on a work front or a personal parenting front or fucking whatever. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, because life is hard and, and it's, mm. it's it's when you get older, it gets harder. Yeah. So to, to be doing something that's really scary, um, you need someone to provide that levity and, and to have fun with and, yeah. and you know, to obviously provide an, an income. So... You know the, the 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 reason though why I, I did leave aside from you know that personal sort of emotional yeah. I guess it was more of a not a spiritual awakening but you you know when you realise how how fickle life is because you know he didn't even get a chance to retire and reflect and look back on this great career that he had because mm. it just got taken away from him within yeah. two years right so yeah. I I was just like oh screw it let's just Let's just go for it, and and I'll 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 get writing, but you know halfway between in in two thousand eighteen, I, I did have this concept for for a film, and I wrote basically a draft of it by January this year. Yeah, and so so that was the the exit plan was to really chase that film. It's a feature film. It's a mystery crime thriller set in Melbourne, and through the the, the networks and the contacts that I've made, yep, as an account director yeah. of advertising you know you meet people that learn about you that other side of you yeah. and and people that believe in you because you've 
worked away at pitching your ideas to them over awesome. a so so all of a sudden this piece is actually becoming maybe so a piece that needed to happen and yeah. now you're at a point where you're using that piece yeah are you where is that at or are you allowed to talk about that or is that sort yeah and no, I can talk about it it's um so I just did the second draft uh, completed that about three weeks ago so yep. I'm working with a, a production company um, on on that so that the next stage is to get um, I'm just waiting for some feedback on on the script, um, and you know they really b- believe in it. This production company, so cool. Uh, w- once I get that that feedback, uh, we'll we'll you know talk to some script people in LA more about some some editing and improving yeah. to the, the next draft, and then that company who who was set up to do that will will then go and and attempt and hopefully chase funding for it to then. Awesome. To then fund fund the film, how do you um, feel when you hand over a script that you've written? It's your mm. heart, your soul, your brain working, and you've written it to someone to read. Do you feel nervous? Does anxiety sort of kick in? Do you get annoyed if there's um, you know comments about it that you mm. don't agree with, or where's your head at in that situation? Uh, it depends on who you're getting to read it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, the 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 team that I'm working with, uh, you know, once I got their feedback, and we actually had a, a quite an open session for two days on on the film, and they were coming up with great ideas that were only making it better. So I don't have an ego with with that, and I'm humble if there's another way to do it. It didn't change the idea of the film. It yep. was just. A, a, a stronger through line with a, with some of the ideas we were throwing around. Yeah. Um. So that that process is I find to be the best process when you're actually working with other filmmakers and and they know the genre and and they're excited because they they have a vision for it that matches yours. Yeah. Because you you don't know you know there's an idea in your head and so you pitch an idea to someone and you 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 know you do it in in one sentence. Yep. And most people will will know what that film should look like and feel like immediately okay. if you pitched an idea for a, for a film. Yeah. Um, and and then you've got to write a script, so then it has to sort of elicit the same sort of feeling in the story and in the screenplay. So it's almost like an, an I'm an unknown quantity having to prove myself at each mark. So all it was, I knew that dedicating that. What would would have been two months straight? Yeah, on that draft too. Yep, I'd never done that before like this. Yeah, so I I felt that it the 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 conscious attention that I gave it, um, I was I was confident that it was that it was a better draft than the draft before, and and the response so far has has been that. So you just get through each little yeah. step, and now the next one, um, is to you know. There might be more changes to the script, but I'll I'll do that. Um, and there was a time where I wanted to write and direct, you know, be that big time, yeah. you know, like Tarantino yep. writer director. Yeah, do it all. Yeah, do it, Own all, it all, and and be yep. the man. And and, yeah. and but I I I'm not competent enough as a director, um, and I know that. And how, how much faith do you have to have as a writer in a director or produ- is it a, a director producer writer that all separate things or yeah, yeah, they're all yeah. separate things. So, so a director who's taken your writing mm. and is now making it happen, mm. um, do you just have to have faith in that? Can you step back in? 
Oh, the, the, the nature of the relationship is collaborative and I think it will be um, for, for the process. So yep. because these people I trust and, and have known for a long time, um, we, we all want the same thing. We all just want to make films. Yep. We, and, and we believe that the, the way content – or not content, but films and TV shows are, are sort of distributed through things like Netflix and Stan and Amazon, you know, through to the, the multiplex, there's – there's different avenues and, and these channels, you know, need good Australian genre films. Yep. So it's it's a good time to be to be making an independent film that's relatively cheap to make. Where do you want your product to go to be? Do you want it to be on the big screen? Do you want to see your stuff rolled out through some of the um, Netflixes of the world? Or what's the long-term goal? Yeah, well, the... I mean, we believe it has an international sales appeal as well. So if you can get some international sales as an independent film and, and screen at various festivals or other yep. theatres around the world, then then that's great. Um, but if you can also, you know, have one of those, uh, I guess, major streaming services pick it up, uh, th- that, would be, that would be great because... It's it's almost like the DVD shelf. It sort of sits there forever if, if you yeah. make one, and that's a nice legacy. Yep. But the, the 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 idea is to make a solid first film, um, and then pivot to the next one, yeah. and then get funding for that, and then so forth and so on. So you create, I guess, this this flow of of income. Yep. Um. I mean, I'm not obviously. I, I need to earn money, um. But I just want to write, uh, whether it be full time or part time. So the 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 aim is to to grow, but the, the you got to nail the first one. So yeah. you know, you it's like footy. You can't look at finals yet. You've got to yeah. take <laughs> it a week, week at a time, <laughs> as yeah. the D's would know. No, uh, don't. don't. <laughs> um, but but yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah. still unknown because it's a it's it's a it must be like a tough industry to just even mm. like let alone your first one, but just in general, even I'm assuming even ten in. You've still got to really work hard to put it out there and, and pitch it to the right um, people and platform. Yeah, the, 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 it's one of those industries where there's there's not much let up. Mm. Um, it's it's almost like the footy world. It even if you get funding, you have to cast it right. You you, yeah. you have to get the right people involved, and then when you make the film, you know you you have to. It has to be critically. Yeah. Um, well received, and yeah. then it it has to pick up, um, you know, in in box office or in in sales. So then, if you if you make another one, if you're lucky enough to make another one, that you have to go through that whole thing again, and with expectation on top of it, probably, yeah, yeah. which adds a bit of pressure. Yeah, well, I mean <laughs> that that all depends on the nature of how it's directed, yeah, and and you know if if you. And when we believe we can create a tone of a film that is unique but familiar, um, which I think is is the key, it it has to be the genre makes it familiar. So you know, if with a crime thriller, you know what you're getting yourself into. Mm. So you you know you want to be seeing a bit of action, violence, suspense, maybe a bit of sex. Um, you know, you want to hold on to figure out what what happens at the end, and you want great performances, and and you want it to surprise you. So that's yeah. where that unique thing yeah. comes into it. Yeah. Um, so it's it's if you get known to make a certain genre of film, then that'll it'll create a nice expectation for the next one. But you you don't want to jump the shark and do something too different. Yeah. You sort of keep got a building around 
certain genres and then sl- slowly start to expand out? Well, typically you, you'd see most directors or writers sticking to that one genre right through, right from local stuff all the way to Hollywood or whatever, don't you? These days, there's not too many. Is there many major jumps? Like is someone doing a horror film then does a lighthearted comedy the next one? They, they more do, um, I think, a bit later. Yeah, okay. Uh, I, I guess... It's kind of like music, I suppose, in that, uh, you know, you might start out with a real rocky sort of album mm. and by album number five or six it's turned into pop with lots of electronic sort of beats all through it, I guess. Yeah. There's, no, uh, there's no rules either, by the oh, way. Not really, because, I mean, someone like George Miller who did Mad Max... Yeah. I mean, Mad Max is mental mm. in, in, in every way. All the films are. But then he does something like Lorenzo's Oil, which is like a, a, a drama film yeah. in the 80s. So, you know, it, de- it really depends. But, you know, then you've got a Scorsese who early in his career, you know, it's gangsters and it's violence yep. and it's it's high octane. And then a, a Tarantino, which is, you know, everyone's favourite, including mine, Um you know what you're going to get with yep. a Tarantino movie, no matter what era it's yeah. set. It's it's just going to be a a rollicking ride of fun, violence, incredible music, and and actually really poignant moments. Yep. Um, so I, I I like that sort of, of of a director or filmmakers that can find um, a tone and a style that 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 fans um, look forward to seeing. Do you draw inspiration from that? Or are you very much your own writer? Uh, well, the films that I really, in particular for for this one, um, uh, it's you know the the title of it's called Ratatat. So um, this one in in particular draws inspiration from like seventies crime okay. thrillers, like cool. Three Days of the Condor and French Connection, and you know there's films in the eighties like Frantic and Marathon Man. Mm. Um, and it's sort of, I love those films where you have a, a, a metropolis and a society and people are going about their lives, but there's just something going on underneath the surface, clandestine stuff that no one really knows about, but yep. it's, it's right next to you yep. or right underneath you. Yeah. That's what I love. Cool. And I reckon that shit happens all the time. We don't even know it. In reality. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. I, I mean, the if, if you look at, especially in Australia, how good our cops are yeah. at preventing those major disasters or the terrorist disasters. Yeah. Um, that, you know, the MCG one, the Christmas Day one. Yep. Like, mm. that, how close could we have been to something? Like, And they're incredible that they can yep. spend 24 hours, 24-7 on surveillance and, and it's the benefit of being a long way away in Australia whose customs have a little yeah. bit of an easier job than in Europe. <laughs> Um, but that shit is there, yeah. and, and it's you know. Um, I but guess sometimes I think it's not the worst thing not knowing. Yeah. As well. No. Yeah. Yeah. And, and for the and for the you know a lot of people could handle that information, but there's the majority that just there's no point bringing that up if there's no need to bring it up. No. Don't, let's not cause hysteria <laughs> for no reason. No. There's enough hysteria that we <sighs> generate yeah. ourselves, and and that wasn't. I mean, I wasn't one of those people, but I uh, you know you look at your life at at, at thirty seven. Um, and I I did start to think because you know you spend what a quarter of your life or a third of your life I think sleeping. Yep, something like that. And I reckon you know there's going to be people who spend another quarter on their phone on mm. social media, and they're going to wake up at sixty 
and think, what what the fuck did I do with all of that time? And that opportunity cost, yeah, I think is really dangerous because the amount of time that's spent on that device, on those platforms, is going to breed a lot of bitterness for these people when they get older because they're going to look back. And, you know, uh, that that's just a gut feeling mm. of mine. Just is it because of, of the amount of stuff that they're looking – or oh, sorry, the nature of the stuff that they're looking at and the amount of time they're looking at it is mostly negative? Is that what you mean? So as they – it becomes – What just, is that? It becomes part of them as they – as you get older, it just – you're just so used to – because it, the media just promotes negativity a lot of the time. Yeah. So without even trying, you can see some horrible shit and some really negative shit to the point where you don't even think anymore. Just see it, it goes in and mm. maybe, yeah, in 20 years you get to a point where you are just negative because that's what you've been well, taught to be. Facebook started out as a as a um, community network platform between your friends and family. Yep. Great intentions, mm-hmm. right? Now it's a media platform. Yep. So... Before, we used to hear a 30-second or spot on the news and that would be it and it was superficial But and yeah. you'd talk about it for a little bit yeah. with, with people, with your mates or whatever. But you wouldn't go on and talk about it more and get into arguments and spend all of that time, extra time, yeah. having these pointless conversations with people you don't know. So there's there's the time factor, but then there is the the emotional factor of about you know, the, the emotions that that environment tends to promote. Mm. And the, I think the there was a guy called Plutchik who was this psychologist and he to- spoke about that wheel of emotions. And there's eight eight basic emotions and there's other emotions that connect to yeah. that. But I was thinking about the behaviour of people um, on, on Twitter or social media mm. and, and, and just that outrage and anger. And so there's the the eight emotions. So you've got anger, fear. um, I've actually wrote them down here. I was speaking to someone the other day. I got off Twitter, I don't know, maybe a year and a half ago or something, just because it wasn't what it was when I got on it. I used it as a news platform basically just to keep up, I suppose, without having to read a newspaper. Talking to a couple of friends recently who um, who have – still been on it up mm. until now and, that, and they were saying that they it has turned into a real just shit fight it's just negative it's just arguing it's just yeah it's just breeding ground for hate yeah, yeah. so if you look at anger disgust sadness fear surprise joy trust and anticipation was with the eight emotions that he was okay talking about right and sometimes i think we forget that we're actually human and they're the, the mainly the eight emotions so if you tend to skew towards, say, anger and disgust and fear, then you're you're going to start to embody that mm. in your in your real life. And yeah. I, I look at it like how we behave in a car. In a car, we say the most outlandish things to people in road rage, yeah. like what we say to old old ladies who cut you off. <laughs> and and it's it's the environment that promotes that behaviour. You wouldn't yeah. you wouldn't do that in in when you're walking down the street. No. And I just think, though, that environment promotes that kind of similar oh, car sure. behaviour. Yeah. So the ones of surprise, joy, trust, anticipation aren't cultivated in that environment. Yep. So, yeah, those two things, time and focus of emotion, mm. what's that doing to, to our society? And the time that it's wasting 
preventing evolution. Yeah. Um, that yeah, that's just something that sort of freaks me out a little yeah, bit. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I think it, if it becomes the you know more normal to feel that because it's it's kind of what's in your face. Yeah, that that's that's hard to handle. You don't want that, but it's kind of happening already. Yeah, you and know, in society, isn't yeah. it? And that's one thing to sort of detach from that stuff has been great. So I've detached from the car. Yeah, and I've I've detached from. That, that stuff as well. Okay. Listening to more podcasts. Yeah, and, yeah, cool. And, and not sort of, I mean, I didn't really anyway, but, you know, you know when you're at work and you're, you know, you're checking your, your phone and yep. social media you and do. all that. Yeah. I mean, everyone does That's it. That's right, you um, do it. But it's good to sort of cut that back yeah, as well. totally. So with the with the current project that's happening now, yeah. where, where, how far is it until finish point? Just, I guess, for anyone listening, if who wants to follow it a bit, is there is there an end date or anything where people might start seeing it? Uh, look, it, it's it's the drafts at a good stage, so I I don't know how long it's going to take the team to to raise funding, but um, you know I'm, I'm hoping within the next year to maybe two years, yeah, uh, that it, we could at least get funding for it. I mean that would be great. I mean cool. you've got to be realistic, like Animal Kingdom, which is one of the best Australian films of all time, took. 10 years to get off the ground, right? Uh, Bigger budget, you know, bigger cast. But, you know, in in this day and age, we're hoping with a good script, you know, we can, uh, you know, get it going the next year to 12 months. Oh, sorry, year to two years. Yeah. So just keep an eye out for the the name Ratatat and we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, But the other thing that I'm I'm working on is um, the the sci-fi comic as well. So I'm aiming for that to be almost like a passive income over time. Okay. So what's that? Well, I, again, using your, your advertising network, um, in 2012 I, or 13, I, I joined this uh, another agency and I met this um, guy called Mito Kubik. Okay. Who uh, is Bosnian. Right. And That's a cool name. Yeah. Oh, he's a cool guy. <laughs> Good. Uh, and he was a designer, but he was also uh, an incredible illustrator. Okay. And cool. big sci-fi comic fan and i i had this idea for a sci-fi film uh called uh the dark system and so you're a sci-fi fan oh yeah 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 big time big time Mm. okay uh so i had this and it was sort of like a the concept for it was chinatown set in space so it's like a yeah again it's another murder mystery yep but set in space you know and, you know, like a space detective. Yeah. That was sort of the, but really dark. Yeah, okay. So I pitched him the idea and he really liked it. So for the last oh, be four or five years, we've been working on this comic. Wow. And we're close to having, I think, volume one, and it could be two volumes done. Okay. So I'm in the process while I'm waiting for this, you know, the feature mm. to get feedback. So I'm now finishing writing the comic. So I, I wrote um, all, all the frames out. You write all the panels out in a comic and the description and a bit of the dialogue. And Mito's taken four years. <laughs> um, you know, it's... it's he, he has his own pace, but, you know, he's... you know he's a Don't rush him. ...key part of the... Yeah. I mean, if, if the illustrations are, I, I believe, you know, so, 70% of it, you know, they're yeah, that good. Yeah, sure. Especially for grabbing people, I suppose, initially. Yeah. 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 So comics... Excuse my naivety. 
Are they still a thing? Yeah, like, they are. Yeah. Is it in physical um, print format or is it more in a digital format? It's it's both. Okay. The, the good thing about uh, comics now, I mean, compared to a film where you've got to go through a process of of, of raising funding, yeah, um, and a lot of people have to tick it off, and with the comic, it's just me and Mito. Yep. So if you were to write a full novel, you definitely need to go to a publisher. Yeah, sure. Whereas with with this comic where we're looking at self-publishing. So what you can do is Amazon have this site called Comicsology where um, you know you, you submit it and if, if they like it or believe it's sellable, they'll put it up there and they take 50% and you take 50% and... And and they don't own it. You can still distribute okay. it. Yeah, yeah. So that that independence um, is appealing well, for it's, this. It's not dissimilar to why I like mm. doing this. The podcast thing is you can take it as far or as hard as you want. I love the idea of just being able to. I'm just going to do it. Yeah, I'm just going to sit down and have a chat and bring in Matt and have a chat. Like, do you know what I mean? So there's yeah. no. Like I said, I've done podcasts in the past for the likes of. Um, Southern Cross, Osterio, mm. and that sort of thing, and and that's there's still freedom in that, but it's very much um, structured and how yeah, not just the actual content, but how it all goes behind the scenes as well. I kind of wanted to do something for myself mm. um, for a couple of years and just sort of started, but with that freedom in in mind that you speak about, there's no real no one pushing me, no one giving me any restrictions on anything at the moment, and down the track. If I want to take a different path with it, I can. There's different avenues and different paths to go. But Yeah. Um, I think that, that independence, I mean, if you look at the negatives of the things we were talking about, there's actually real positives yep. to how quickly you could amplify as long as you set up with the you know the right platforms yep. to amplify your, your product. And because we've been working on it for so long and we really believe in it, we feel at this stage, let's test the market by self-publishing and that's printing, um, yep. but also online. You know, actually getting dirty and going yeah. to comic con festivals, yeah, paying for a, for a stand there, yep. and and getting everything printed. You'll get some honest feedback there, no doubt. Get honest feedback. Get things. Have you been to one of those? Yeah, I've been 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 to a couple. All I hear is they're just in a positive way nuts. Yeah, and and because <laughs> so that's the good thing worldwide in that industry is yeah. there there are cult followings and but that's also a direct contact to your market. Yeah, so it's yeah. brilliant to do mm. something like that to take that that particular idea there. Yeah, yeah, that, and it is it is exciting, but we don't we don't want to have to be validated by someone we don't know. Sitting in an office, yeah, I'd rather get dirty, uh, and it's like a startup in a way. Yep. Like, and and that's the beauty of it. Yeah, so that that'll be interesting when you cool. know we, when we go through that process, we get some merch. Um, yeah, <laughs> and I'll have a shirt, thanks. Yeah, um, uh, do you know what I love that that has been in the pipelines for what do you say four or five years? Yeah, and you still very much sound passionate about it. Oh yeah, those things. A lot of the time, um, in all formats of anything, can drop off pretty quickly after a couple of years. If it if you haven't finished or you haven't got to sort of X spot, it's very easy to go fuck it, too hard. Or I'll get to that another time. Mm. Well, I, I believe love, I love that you're sort of almost at the finished end, and after that period of time, you haven't given up, and you still sound really passionate about. It. That's awesome. Yeah, I believe the only reason you fail is because you give up. It's, yeah. it's not, and if you if you just keep that, uh, you know, with a little pulse. Um, and don't allow it to, to flatline, which is what, you know, every time Mito sends me through another frame or page, which is, 
it's it's amplified now that he knows I've quit my job. So yeah. now he's sending them through um, regularly every week, whereas <laughs> it used to be once a month. <laughs> so he's seeing the opportunity yeah. in it, and we're both keen to get after it. Um, awesome. And and just that, yeah, I, I the the quality of what he's doing um, combined with what you know, I the imagination that I had for the story uh, is is really exciting. And then you think, you know, you, you know, you sort of long-term what what that can also turn into because yep. if you start you know low hanging door sorry um if you start low you know you get a, a door only open so far you get a low opportunity so mm. we know we have to start at um at, at the bottom but if you can build it up over a number of years you never know what other platforms you can go into whether it be movies and things like that but with the great thing with literature um and and comics is even though you know I might get to the point where I physically can't do it anymore. Mm. It the great thing with the written word and also you know audio stuff is that you can pass it on to a generation. Yeah. And like a manuscript, you know, my son or daughter could pick it up or or someone else. Totally. And I that that's enough of a legacy, you know, for me by yep. just doing that. Um, and and that's yeah. I mean, I've been listening to. For whatever reason, 1940s radio theatre the last week. Right. Edgar Allan Poe murder mysteries. <laughs> okay. So, you know. Yeah. And that shit's incredible. Yeah. I sat down with my grandfather recently um, and had a chat to him with microphones. And we went through bits about his life and all. Be, I find his life really interesting. But it came about just thinking one day there will be a time when he won't be telling that story anymore. Um, and and I don't want the kids to miss out on hearing – my kids miss out on hearing that. Yeah. We can pass on stories and details. and That's great. I thought, how cool would it be to actually have a recording of it where he's actually talking about it himself? So we, we did that. I'm so glad I have. And um, 50 years' time or whatever, my kids and their kids and whatever else can listen to it and they might not want to, but if they do, it's there. And that legacy, like as you say, I want to do that more. I, I found it really – satisfying to do that and as i say i'm really interested in his sto- his story and his life and now i've got that um forever to share with my kids and friends and family and whatever too yeah absolutely and you know to even the people that you bring on that's yeah. a, a great you know area of people or age of people like uh, you know to to bring on because i know my partner wants to um, interview her grandfather. Yep. Uh, I mean, what a great format to do it on yeah. in a sort of podcast yep. environment because you just you're just having a chat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, totally. Yeah. And and you know that Jocko podcast that I love the when the Vietnam War guys get on or the World War Two guys get on who have survived prisoner of war camps. Oh and man, like that, that. That's incredible yeah. stuff. Yeah. And, and that wisdom and and age can that there's you know there's gold in in some yeah. of their stories. Oh yeah. You could listen to that stuff for hours. Yeah, um, it's incredible, and the, there's something really raw and honest and and authentic about hearing those stories. But also, just yeah, like if it's your parents or your grandparents or something too. Um, but I get a, a real kick out of just chatting to people in general, and like yourself, um, we've got lots of you know cool people that are that are going to sit down and, and have a chat in these podcasts, which I'm pretty pumped about. So, um, man, I should let you go. Thanks heaps for coming down. It's been awesome to chat with you. Oh no, thanks, Luke. Yeah, it's it's great to sort of to talk about, and I really appreciate the interest. And I think it's it's good for 
listeners, um, you know, to understand that I, you know, I do have, uh, uh, you know, there's uncertainty with what I'm doing. Mm. I'm, I'm not there yet. I'm sort of in the middle of it. So, you know, I appreciate you being interested in that journey. Um, it's also the step. It's also that step. The thing that interests me um, a, a whole lot is taking that step that you've taken um, or anyone taking that step. I think it's so important. And if you if you can and, you've, as you said tonight, set yourself up to do it. So oh, that, yeah. that exit strategy out, yeah. up, out of your day job, whatever it may be, or, or whatever the situation, into what you want to be doing, if that's there – do it well i look at it this way if you want to win the pot you got to go all in yeah yeah and and that's sort of i i I might not win i might but i'll play another hand next time you also won't have what if no and that's right that's important that's number one that's number one no no regrets and yeah uh well Hopefully we'll we'll have some good news and we'll we'll see what happens. But I've I love having a chat with you and you'll and be back. I'm going to drag you back in here <laughs> for sure. Oh well, you know, and and with you too. Uh, I think it's a great uh, idea. Um, just the tone and the sort of people that you can bring in is unrestricted. And yeah, I I, I agree with you. I think every individual has an interesting story. Hundred um, percent. Definitely. And, and I think sometimes it's it's discriminated based on. A superficial perception, but I appreciate you you having me on. No worries. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, buddy.